Is this in it? Is it? Is what? Is this in it? Yeah. Should we get? What do you think? Should we keep this in? We'll keep this in. This right now? Yeah, we'll keep this in right now. Definitely not the stuff before. Well, maybe no, but now. But now? Yeah, and maybe just the thing just before now, just before. <laughs> but definitely keep this in and this. And this <laughs> that I'm saying now, keep this in. And this, here. Okay, you go. And Keep that. But get rid of this. Yeah, and keep, keep this. And keep this. Keep that. <laughs> And welcome to Harco Meets Humans, everybody. I'm here with the wonderful Paul Cathro, um, who I have on the podcast because I'm a big fan of yours. Is that awkward? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did... Well, you just you blew me away. <laughs> well, you're great. Thanks. I'm a big fan of your music. So for some background for people who don't know Paul, I first saw your music, well, you in the context of music, when I was eight, like 18, uh, when I turned up to Dunedin University and uh, you were playing in a Lizard and Lizard and were you playing in the Maybe Pile? No. No, you were do- that, that was just all around. Yeah. I remember just seeing you and a whole group of people, Lizard and Lizard, Brown, Maybe Pile, Left or Right. Fat Children. Fat Children. I'd forgotten about Fat Children. Yeah. What, have we got any, what are the other bands to list off there? Um, something quartet. Very true. Um, the Biff Merchants. The Biff Merchants. Had they disbanded by I then? think I saw one Biff Merchants gig before the end. Right, yeah. Um, and it was incredible because I had come from Timaru where I had seen in my whole entire life Deja Voodoo, the band Zed, and the Electric Confectioners. And oh. those were the three bands I had seen. Right. So I turned up to Dunedin and saw like real and really good local music. And I've been a, I've been a fan since. And Elizabeth Elizabeth was in my favorite band for a long time. Oh, stop it. So um, it's really nice to have you here. And, and I think the reason I was like, fuck, we got to get Paul on is because you're still, the, the songs you're putting out now, I heard on the, when you did the Jesse Mulligan interview. Yeah. Um, and the song that played at the end. I was just like, fuck, I love this. This this song is so fucking good. Oh, good. You just, I think you just write, I think it's really like you write music that's like really to my taste. Right, yeah. Cool. Which is fucking sick. So thank you for coming up and thank you for being involved in oh, music. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. <laughs> it is. It's great. It's great to hang out. I've been meaning to hang out with you for ages. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, we, I only hang out with people on microphone though because if it's not being made into content, then... What's the point? What's the fucking point? Exactly. Paul? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and... Y- the general public might know Paul through Harvey Unclear as well, where you are part of what I think is potentially a contender for one of the best rhythm sections in New Zealand, if not ever. You and Beanie. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't know if I can agree with that. Are you a bassist or a guitarist? Oh, I'm a, I'm a bassist at my core. Like I, that's I love the bass. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I love the, I love where it sits and I love what it can do. Guitar is, guitar is like the, you know, it's the flower, and but the bass is like the, you know, the the kind of roots of the flower. Yeah. The plant, and that's Ben and I, sort of that, just giving it a platform, giving the guitars a platform to grow. Without us, that'd be nothing. You hear that, Michael? 
I can't, I mean, I kind of agree with that though. No, I, I, I don't. Not, not in terms of <laughs> specifics, yeah, but, yeah. but like, honestly, like, for uh, it's probably uh, bass and drums. Like, well, I've always I found, you know, when I initially started listening to music, the, the bass and drums would be the last thing I'd be listening to. Really? Yeah. Is that still now? No. Nah. No. No. Nah, but you know, when I would, when I was younger, and you know, just starting to understand music, I yeah, like before I knew how to play instruments properly and stuff when I was just twiddling on acoustic. All I could hear were guitar and vocals. Yeah. I, I could hear the other stuff, obviously, yeah. but I, had, I couldn't comprehend what they were doing so I'd never done it. So they weren't the first thing to cross my mind when listening to music. Yeah. And I sort of, yeah, I kind of realised bass and drums from a non-musical perspective of someone who just doesn't, Give a fuck about how music's made. You wouldn't. You would not notice them really. No. And sometimes it's like you don't notice it until someone fucks up, <laughs> or until then, until it's not there. Basically, you know. Yeah. You're like, if the bass say just disappeared, you'd go, oh, something's different. You know, mm. something just changed, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. My subwoofer stopped vibrating for some reason. She's going duff duff. <laughs> Stop me whenever you want. No, because <laughs> I sort of nervously ramble. Sometimes. No, it's very it's very relatable. Like, I how did you did you get like forced into bass situationally and then found loving it, or did you like yeah. seek out the bass? No, I did actually get forced into it. Same. Did you? I think that happens with a lot of bassists. Yeah, right. Mm. Like, I for me, uh, I I had a very good friend when I was twelve called George Wills, and he was like, let's start a band and do ACDC covers. I was like, sick. And I'd been learning guitar. And he was like, very bluntly, he's like, I'm a lot better at guitar than you. So, <laughs> and he was, he was right. Yeah. It's hard to hear. Yeah, oh, it is. And he was like, so you should get a bass and you should play bass. And so I was like, oh yeah, cool. I want to be in a band. I'll play bass. And then ended up like falling in love with bass. Like, what was your story with the bass? Oh, well, it was kind of, I was playing guitar in a lizard and lizard. I'd sort of got that up and running. Yeah. Because what, well, what had happened... You're not saying a lizard and lizard was your first band. No, my first band was um, with Guns and Marmalade when I was 15. And then it was um, bypassed when I was 17 and we won the Otago Regional Rock Quest with Ben on bass. What? Yeah, Ben played bass. You say Ben from the drummer from Hardly Unclear. That's right. And Tom Clark on guitar. Tom Clark used to recite every single Pink Floyd solo perfectly. And um, Mike Mitchell on drums. Mike Mitchell um, basically loved Metallica and, uh, and um, really heavy music. So he would sort of double kick his way through my pop songs. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with rock quest bands and having like a like a metal drummer with like non-metal music? I had that yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe this because drummers have to learn to kind of you know. I guess is it a natural? If you want to play drums, maybe when you're younger and you want to play drums, say maybe you just want to fucking thrash it. That's all you. That's I, why you want to do it. You I don't want to do it to be good. artistic or creative. I mean, that's what I see a lot of like sort of thrash metal as. It's not really a craft of good songs per se. It's fucking 
who can play as many notes per second as possible. Did you ever get attracted to that world? There was a moment where I was surrounded in people, enough people that I pretended to, <laughs> yeah. basically, convinced myself even that I was into it. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah fuel, but, uh, fuel era Metallica. Yeah. But, um, no, so now back to the how I got to play bass. Yeah. So, yeah, um, my brother Michael Cathro, Andrew Strait, and his brother Michael Strait um, were starting a band and they needed a drummer. And Ben was playing bass for me at the time. I said to them, well, Ben's old man is teaching him drums at the moment, so he might be quite good. So I suggested Ben to them and, um, and then so Ben started drumming for them and then said, I don't want to play in, um, what was it? It was Bypass, our high school band. He was like, I don't want to play in Bypass anymore. Some drumming for Biff Merchants. Right. I was like, oh yeah. And then um, so Bypass stopped so Ben could play in Biff Merchants and that's why I started at Lizard and Lizard. Wow. Which originally was me, obviously. Um, I think, I don't know, I went through a few members in that band actually initially when it's in its incarnation. Yes, when I saw it, I think Bugs was playing bass. Yeah. I, I, I had the, what I consider so was, like my, you know how every SNL person has a different SNL lineup that is like their SNL lineup? My Elizabeth Lizard lineup is like you, Bugs, Logan, Ben. Yeah, that's well. That was when we'd started to get really comfortable. Yeah. That was when we were figuring out what what you know what we could actually be good at doing. <laughs> um, before that, it was just a mess, really. So yeah, uh, yeah. So what happened was, um, fuck it. I don't know. So much has happened. I'm not sure if I've got everything in the correct order. But anyway, Michael Strait, who played bass for the Biff Merchants, was moving to Ireland. And um, they had booked a gig and Andrew Strait was like, okay, if you can learn to play bass in two weeks for this gig, you can be in the Biff Merchants. I was like, sweet, sweet, I can learn to play bass before then. So I got a wee practice bass. And uh, at the time I was really into that, those first two Kings of Leon albums. Oh, yeah. And... The bass playing in that was just fucking cool. Yeah. Simple, well, not simple, but, you know, melodic and awesome. And, and it had a personality of its own. It wasn't just a... It wasn't just a din-din yeah. like they are now. Um, yeah. But so I played along to Aha Shake Heartbreak, that whole album. You know, it's going boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 Holy boom, 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 <laughs> There's <laughs> the, the sad truth of New Zealand music. Yeah, there was a point where people cared. Yeah, 
It was, that was the peak. Of <laughs> pretty much it, eh? Crazy. Someone, someone cared at one point and, and that was the peak. And that was it. Like you were in, you were in the Biff Merchants and it just kind of like, you, it, it must have just taken off from there really. Yeah, it was awesome. We would, yeah. It's interesting thinking back. I feel like, it feels like at the time in Biff Merchants, we could pull a bigger audience than we can now in Harley Unclear in Dunedin. You know, when we'd play like the backstage bar, mm. there'd be like sometimes 400 people in there, mm. but they're probably just there for no reason, but they're there. But that could just be in my head. Maybe it seemed so much bigger at the time because I was younger. Well, that's interesting, like kind of um, tangent, because uh, I wanted to ask you, like when, when I... I have like a view of what of that Dunedin scene, like Bunny Ears, of when I turned up, um, and you know Tono had been going and was just about to just leave. Just to clarify, when I was at with Bunny Ears, it was um, quotation marks. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. We just call them Bunny. Ears. Yeah, just for the listener. <laughs> Got very distinguished listeners. Because even though you did the quotation yeah. marks, and, and, and I could see you doing them. I wasn't sure if you were quotating the bunny ears or the Dunedin scene. So. I think Dunedin scene. Okay, cool. Just yeah. checking. I don't know. People get so weird about calling things scene sometimes. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I get you. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I like it. Cool. Keep um, that. <laughs> and this. And this. Brilliant. Um, I, it really, for me, like I th- loved it. And I thought it was really good and really kind of important in a way. This is just my perception of it. And I've always thought it didn't, for the amount of impact it had on people like me, but also like I think moving out of Dunedin and where everyone from that scene and what they've done since then in all the different places. I personally don't think it really gets as much attention or acknowledgement as it kind of deserved and I've always wondered what as someone who I think was really involved in just a, a lot of the people who are running in all those those scenes I mean you had to think like Anthony Ton and Ton and the finance company was going at the time like mm. um, yourself and your brother and 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 guys like Louis and the left or right guys at Fee Street running Fee, Street, the, the Fee Festival um, all of those things like a lot of people Fee Stock yeah, Fee Stock, yeah a lot of people have come through and out of all that, like the Rackets tour, like all of that shit. And, and I would say like people singing in a New Zealand accent. Mm. Like for me, the, my first encountering of that was in that scene. So like I've always wondered like whether it really, but it still seemed like you guys were all, it wasn't really planned or momentous or anything. It was just kind of like you guys just running around, writing a fuck ton of songs, forming a fuck ton of bands and just doing whatever. That's exactly what it was for me, personally. Mm. Yeah, exactly what it was. I was just living life completely aimlessly, but having a really great time doing it. Yeah. Um, looking back, I wasn't as happy as I am now, but I had a great time doing it at the time. What do you mean you're not as happy? I you wasn't as happy. happy back then. I like just for, for personal stuff or like the... Personal stuff, like I was just like, you know, young and naive and yeah. didn't appreciate what was going on. Yeah. Because now I look back on it and appreciate it. But when I look back on me at the time, I was sort of, uh, you know, I just took it all for granted really. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is uh, music. Uh. Right. So, yeah. yeah, it's funny that you, so you just didn't really have a sense of any, you were just like, oh, we're just doing this. Just literally just doing it. 
Yeah. And, yeah. And then it's sort of, there was one Lizard and Lizard gig that we did and it was a few years later on, I think, some, you know, I don't know, it was a, a, bit, a bit later on after, you know, we'd grown up a little bit or whatever, right? And people are singing along to the songs, you know? And I was like, I guess everything had had a bit more rotation in that time or anything, something. Anyway, I don't know, but that's when I kind of was like, oh, people do actually care. People are actually listening. And so there is a purpose for this, you know? If for, uh, yeah. Before that, it was just, I was basically just doing it for me. Yeah. Or just doing it to hang out with my mates. Just hanging out with my mates, having a good time, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, right. That's what, what, what it was. But when you realise that people actually do like it, so when you start going, okay, this that's cool. It's actually cool that people like it and I shouldn't be taking that for granted. I should actually be trying to do something cool instead of just doing something to please myself. Did that come with any like change or pressure in how you operated or did stuff or you were just, it was just like an added little like, oh, that's cool? Just an added little that's cool, you know. Still do what, like I, I still make, you know, do what I like to do. But yeah, definitely gave me that realisation that people are listening and do like it, and and so it, it is. It is. It's worth putting the effort in, basically. Yeah. You know, I should do a decent, half decent job at least, <laughs> rather than just, you know. Otherwise, shit just sits there and does nothing. It just I'll write something, do a half-ass job of it, it sits on my computer for a decade, and. Then I delete it so I can make room for something else. Right, because yeah, because you said that's what you said. Um, and I think we'll, we will talk about um the what you're doing at the moment. But you did say to Jesse Mulligan on that interview, um, exactly that. Like, oh, I just have I won't. I'm bad at putting things out, or I'm bad at doing these things. Mm. But at the time, back in Dunedin, in that scene, like shit was coming out all the time. So what was the what was the difference there? Was it just like the group would make things happen? Yeah, the difference is I wasn't doing it. So who who was the like Logan and and Bugs? Right. Chris, yeah. We should give a shout out to both of those guys. Yeah. Logan great. Hampton, Chris Miller, fantastic people. Chris from Timaru, obviously. Yeah, he is too. Timaru lad. Yeah. Um, we've actually because I had Oscar from Rackets. On. Ah yes, and we had a, a good chat about the Elizarin and um, Rackets tour, ah. the big one, um, and uh, he was he was uh, just shouting out Logan and for how he put that whole tour together and yeah, it, I mean he's he's a very rare figure I think in the New Zealand music. He's really phenomenal. It's hard to grasp him. I've known him for for years now. He's just so good at what he does and being himself and right. you know he'll just get around in a track pants and a hoodie <laughs> and somehow maintain a good level of self-respect <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like that's awesome yeah <laughs> i love him i love him he, it's fantastic he's he's really really good and like it's he booked because he booked several of those tours yeah and yeah it just the effort that went into all that, you know? Oh, crazy. I mean, he was... Con he, I don't even understand it No, now. He, he must have been contacting places that had probably never had to deal with a band or a promoter ever before. Yeah. And, like, so they didn't probably didn't even have some of the language that he was trying to get across. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, V8, 10, 12, 1300. And uh, Lizard and Lizard. Lizard and 
Elizard and Lizard. <laughs> the Cathros are extremely good at making unsellable band names, don't you think? <laughs> it's like a family trait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally like, but I like How They Own Clear and I like Elizard and Lizard. I even really liked Brown, but I also understand... Um, the the hard parts of all those yeah <laughs> yes yeah. they they have their moments of frustration yeah but uh you know as I say they look fucking good written down and that's what matters I think that's that is important yeah so what really we should just carry around business cards to be honest what what band are you in oh I just handed someone a business card it's extremely professional as well yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think more bands should have business and it'll cards. Save, it'll save like a minute on having to say your band name. They'll look at it, they'll go, ha, the unclear. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. Oh, what does the band sound like? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they'll just have it straight away. Yeah. Be great. Um, the whole New Zealand accent, singing in a New Zealand accent thing. Mm. Do, do you have any, do you know, I've been trying to get to the bottom of this, like, because Tono, obviously, a big use of that. He was the first person right. I discovered that does it. Okay, so I want yeah, I wanted to know like That's where the threads came through for you, your understanding of it. Yeah, it was Tono, because Tono would be like, yeah, Tono was so. He did a good job of explaining it, where it was like, well, you know, you know, why not just sort of be be yourself, kind of. So yeah. Yeah, why, why do I sing in this? And actually at the time I was actually, I'd, ad I'd adopted quite a strong English accent when singing. I started out American, you know, because you do those covers, don't you? You go, ever long. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Times like these you learn. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Cheers for that. <laughs> But then I started, you know, Arctic Monkeys and shit. All the Strokes came out who aren't English, but no. they might as fucking well be. Um, last night, yeah. And then I started, so I just, I don't know, somehow I got English accent coming out of me. I don't know when it happened or how it happened. But anyway, yeah, meeting Tono, and Tono was doing quite a strong Kiwi accent. Just go, oh, makes you focus on, on it a bit more, on the way you're saying, just him doing it. And it's... I find it, I've always found it uh, quite, like for me, there are certain vowel sounds that I just can't handle in a Kiwi accent when they are held on for a prolonged amount of time creating this resonance, which just doesn't seem to resonate with me. So when I, I've, I kind of adapted this, adopted this technique of, I think I must, in a subconscious way, change the vowel sound slightly. So I feel like I'm not actually putting on a thick Kiwi accent when I sing, because I don't necessarily like the way it sounds when I'm doing it. Right. So I tend to soften my, soften, I'd call it, soften my vowel sounds. I've noticed Tono does that too in his newer stuff compared to his earlier stuff. It's definitely pulled He's, back a little bit. Yeah. Still got the authenticity of it there, the cracks of it. But 
I think that's a part of learning about it, right? Is yeah, the idea of it is fucking good, and that's what we should do: be ourselves, sing from ourselves, rather than be influenced by all this international shit that has nothing to do with us. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just copying these people that don't even know we exist. It's really interesting because I don't know if you know Church and AP. No. Um, and and Dila Milan. I had um, Dila Milan who makes all the beats for them. They're a Auckland hip-hop group. Oh, cool. Doing really well. And there's this big discussion in New Zealand hip-hop at the moment about essentially like should we be using our we're, – we're, people are rapping in American accents. Yeah. But what about rap in New Zealand accents or – you know, um, island accents or any anything, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's more true to how we talk. And then the discussion about like, especially in rap with rhyme schemes and everything like that, then the vowel sounds really actually changing the complete flow. They do. And it's, I think that's, that's a really obvious um, discussion that needs to be had. But for me, it immediately pinged me exactly what you were just talking about with, for, you know, I'm a big guitar music guy. It's always like, that's what's close to my heart. And it's you, there is the same exact discussion to be had in guitar music, mm. like why, like why, why aren't we singing in a New Zealandish accent as opposed to all these other things? You know, yeah. like why can't we have our own? What is a New Zealand sound? We talk about Dunedin sound, but that was kind of almost more to do with like a songwriting form and maybe a recording process rather than like sounding inherently Kiwi. Yeah, and what does that even mean? Exactly. What does that even mean? One of the, one something I, I when I first came to Auckland, I was hanging out with um, Oscar the Rackets, all their mates and stuff. Friend of the podcast, Oscar. Love you, Oscar. <laughs> um, I remember. I don't know who said it. I just remember hearing it. Someone said, "Oh, Auckland bands do the Dunedin sound better than Dunedin bands." <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> My band's from Dunedin. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so that and that fucked me off to the point where I was like, right, our next album, we're going to call it The Dunedin Sound. It's going to be a lizard and lizard, The Dunedin Sound. <laughs> but it got vetoed. <laughs> Still to this day, I think it was a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's simultaneously a, a term that means nothing, but also does kind of have a meaning. It it's so a, strange. It has, a, it has a meaning from the past when, um, when. No, actually, I, no, I take that back. Whatever I, I was going to say was bullshit. Well, I and I've because I got to know Martin a little bit, Martin Phillips, while we were in Dunedin. Yeah, through nice through Scott Muir. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get the sense that he ever had any real connection to the Dunedin sound again. No, and marks, I think you know? he, when you probably, if you're probably in it at the time, you probably don't. It's the same thing as what as you just what, said about yours. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a historical thing, isn't it? I guess you would call it a and retrospective sort of, view. Yeah, that's what I was angling at before, but I couldn't get the words together. But yeah, I think it is. It's a retrospective view. The Dunedin sound from that point. So when I look back now, what that prick said about Auckland bands, the Dunedin sound, the Dunedin bands. I realised now he was talking about, he wasn't talking about me, he was talking about the clean and shit. I was like, oh, good on you for fucking ripping off the clean and good on you, mate. It is crazy. There is something that I'm kind of like, 
just at the beginning of thinking about and, and it's really nice. I want to get more people on who can speak to it, which includes you. But it's this idea that Dunedin and the music, because the music scenes in Dunedin almost refresh like every, what, two, three years because of the student population coming in and interacting with the locals there. That's and right. There's yeah. a, it's a really quickly refreshing scene. But it's also a place where a lot of influential or big bands gain their first like bit of like a grassroots platform or support that they then use to like launch off into more of like a national um, profile mm. across lots of different genres. So I'd be like, you know, obviously the Dunedin sound or Flying Nun is, is a famous example of it, but you know, 660 is another famous example. Yeah. Building through student support. Um, and I'd, and like Saatchi's another example, building through like Dunedin support to, to build himself. Soaked Oats did mm. it again. And all that crew, Marlon's Dreaming, all that. It continues, Mitch James, it continuously happens. Yeah. And it's like this phenomenon that doesn't really happen anywhere else in New Zealand and also no one really taught, like Wax Mustang and Jack Berry now. Yeah. It's this whole thing. It's this, this special thing in Dunedin that, it's something to do with the students and the music scene there that people I don't think have really recognised as as important as it is. From, from I from my perspective, it's when you're in Dunedin, you've got more space and more time. Mm. That to me, I think that's what it is. Because up here, up here, it's a fucking nightmare trying to get something together for me personally. Because I don't, I'm, I'm still in my head. I'm still in Dunedin, and I can just walk up the road to, you know, practice room somewhere. But, I, but that's just my bedroom now, so I kind of just get out of bed and I'm in my studio. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, it's 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 a lot harder to be creative with other people up here. I I find personally. I mean, Do you find maybe, it more isolating up here? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the one. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, I find it difficult to get people together harder for some reason. It could be because I don't go out much, though. Reason. It's hard to tell because, like, we're here now at a different point in our lives and age than we were in Dunedin. So it's like, is this because I'm at this point in my life now or is this because of the city? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. And I, yeah. It's, I, it's probably because I'm working weekends and... <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you look at it and it probably makes complete sense, but just uh, it is. Yeah, I don't know. You do. There are Dunedin is just great for being creative. You've yeah, got more time. It's cheaper, cheaper to rent spaces. And do you think about going back? Um, because I've, I I I don't think I'm outing, but obviously Michael and Ben. Yeah. Have uh, live in Dunedin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, I've thought about it. I was down there for like a week recently and I was kind of like, yeah, um, could do. But really, for me, I'm Auckland's, Auckland's a big monster <laughs> and it's taken me a long time to fight that monster and tame it to, to my will, you know, bend it to my will. Yeah. It's taken me a long time. And so I'm like, okay, I've got to, I've got to stick this out, and see where it goes, because I've, you know, I'm still grabbing a hold of it. Moving to Auckland was such a shock for, for me, 
in my life because it's so different to Dunedin. In Dunedin, you could just sort of get away with being a complete mess. But then when you get to Auckland, um, yeah, you can't be a mess because mm. it's too you got, you got to be on on form. You know, you got to actually you got to actually work to achieve stuff, or you get nowhere. Whereas Dunedin, Dunedin just happens. I don't know. But again, it, this could be me changing. No, this. I think that's. I think it's true. I think, I, and I wonder if the what you're describing in Auckland is like the more common, normal way most cities and places operate, and that the way that things just happen in Dunedin is actually the like unique one. Right. Yep. For sure. You know, because it is sense. a bit like that. Yeah. Like you don't have to go far for something to happen. No. In Dunedin. And it's you know. Money seemed like less of a, a thing in Dunedin in terms of like it's cheaper to live there. Mm. I, I don't remember thinking that much about it. Yeah. If we just kind of did whatever. Whereas here, you know, yeah. And like there were communal spaces in Dunedin. Yeah. There are a lot more communal spaces. There aren't that many communal spaces in Auckland. Right. Which I think that one of the themes through like talking to a lot of people here and a lot of musicians is like how important a communal space is to things actually being done or having some kind of like purpose or um, movement to it. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. There's actually something to see. You, you see the same people all the time. That's what this place is for me. Like what Benji and Silas have here at Point and Studios. Yeah. It's really starting to actually become like a communal space where you, we're meeting a lot of people. Yeah. And it reminds me of being it, uh, This has got a great Dunedin. vibe. Yeah. It's, this place has a great vibe and it also, yeah, reminds me of like it's Dunedin, the attic. And I suppose that's Shout evidence. out the attic. Yeah, shout out the attic. I suppose that's evidence of the fact that that stuff does exist everywhere, really. It's just mm. Dunedin's more condensed in that respect. Like, it, it's all... It's easier for it to be together, whereas Auckland's just... Auckland, everything is so spread out, isn't it, physically? Yeah. That I guess it creates that kind of atmosphere. It's harder to kind of get that... that, that that sort of thing going that you can get into Dunedin. It's hard to get like, um, oh, what was it? Like momentum. That's the word I'm mm, looking for. Momentum. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a hard yeah. feeling to gain. It's a hard feeling to gain in general for any musical band or act. Bands have it really hard because like, it's not like you're, a, it's not like bedroom producers or like um, electronic musicians where like, it, momentum's dictated by like just sitting in your room and making more music. Mm. Bands, it's like, well, there's more than, there's like two to three to four to five of us. Yeah. That means, you know, four to five instruments to record in a probably a proper recording studio if we want to make something actually worth people actually want to like hear. Yeah. Um, we've got to write those songs. Uh, you, know, you know, everything just gets compounded and compounded and compounded. Like, how do you keep momentum going as like a band? When yeah. all of those things are in the way. Yeah, that's what's floored me in Auckland for my myself. Really? Yeah, I'm not not organised enough to organise other people. Yeah. So you know, how the unclear is predominantly is all you know. It all you know, Michael or Theo or Ben even will book practice spaces and kind of get that stuff going, and I, you know. And I do what I can for that as well. But when it comes to my own material, just like, ah, uh, I don't, you know, it's not why I'm doing it. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not doing it to, I don't want to have to, it's not what I, I want to play music with people. Like, I'd love to get people involved for sure. But yeah, I, 
I just well, I just love the process of making music. I, yeah. None of the other stuff really interests me. But if I can, yeah. So I am. I, if I had, I yeah, really keen to get some people involved to play with to play my songs. But I just, um, it's a, such a process, isn't it? And what? finding a space to—that's the biggest thing for me—is finding a space and to rehearse in with people, and also financially being able to pay for that. Yeah, space is the big issue, really, for me. Well, like, spaces, you know, land in Auckland is so fucking expensive. Yeah. So it's a certain type of psycho who's going to have even like have a practice space or own, you know, own a building and turn it into a practice space. Yeah. And there's only going to be so many of them because it's not like they're super profitable and they're kind of annoying because people make a lot of fucking loud noise in them all the time. Yeah, it, it's pretty much people. It's just a. Um, Basically, it's a job for people with tolerance and a care for the arts. Which is very it's rare in New Zealand. Exactly. Sadly. Sadly. Yeah. But, you know, art's really important to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you actually think that? Do you think, like, do you think music's important? Um, uh, not to everybody. Yeah. But it's extremely important to me. Um, I think it's an important... F- I think it's important, you know, that people are able to express themselves through art. Whether or not it's important that other people look at it, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting because they are two very separate things. Yeah. And I think a lot of people meld them together. Mm, mm, For sure. But in reality, what is it? Yeah. And, you know, I find it weird that there are people out there that don't listen to music or aren't into any art at all. I find that weird. What do they do? Exactly. But they exist. Mm. They do exist. We, we say on here uh, New Zealanders don't like art, they like celebrity. Ah. So it's like I th- it's the best idea I have to answer the question of like why do we like, why does the public catch up on art or artists that go away overseas and then come back and they're not making anything different but now people... They have legitimacy and people like them, and I think it's because it's some the, the legitimacy comes from like the celebrity of them being somewhere else, not just New Zealand, and now they're here. Exactly, That's, it's yeah. like if oh, if you know twenty American people like them because they've been in America for ten minutes, they must be alright. Yeah. So they come back and everyone goes, ah, you guys are awesome, you're an American, twenty fans. I can't wait to drink and talk to my friends at your gig. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> and feel a part of something. I we we say that, and it does sound like we're kind of like saying that people don't like music or art here, which I think is true of a lot of people. But it is also true to point out that how the unclear gigs, you guys have like the most like and in, not intense is the wrong word, but fans who like come to your shows who fucking love that music, dance the hardest. Like have, you may have the most active en- engaged. It's such a dirty word, but like an engaged audience at those gigs, mm, right? Which is which is so like it is possible to find people in New Zealand that can go so hard to your shit. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. When you put it like that, you almost sort of like you can't do it. That's why I think like it's it's almost harder like. 
it does happen at a grassroots level. It's a question of, but you can't survive at a grassroots level. No, you've got to make... So how do we get the non-grassroots people as into shit as... That's you know, right. our people are. That's right. Excuse me, I'm just going to... Really I fucking love here. this. So it's really a bit of fourth wall breaking. We're up in, in the second story of Poynton Studios and it is basically a hot box. We are in Auckland. It is January. I'm guessing it's probably close to 30 degrees. Yeah. I'd say. About 26 last time I checked. And as we've been talking and getting more and more pretentiously into music, um, Paul's oh, shirt has, has it's becoming more and more undone. And now it is open and I'm, I'm feeling very turned on. Oh, well. But like it's good. It's an energizing factor in my life. I have been working out. <laughs> you have been telling me you've been doing a lot of exercise, which is, you know, it's funny. Musicians are not usually the most like... Um, uh, health-focused, exercise-focused group of people, let's put it that way. Mm, generally, stereotypically, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, for me, I just... So the last year, I've just started running, you know? I just really enjoyed it. Do you, like, listen to anything while you run? Do nah. you No, I can't. Nah. I spend the rest of my life listening to things. Exactly. I just need some space. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly it. I f I, yeah, I find it... If I'm listening to stuff and running, I get bored quicker. Yeah. There's, there's something about running and it kind of, it, it drives the sort of engine in my brain to turn over thoughts and run. And it's like, a, and, and it's almost like a, a um, safety mechanism to pretend I'm not running or just think about other things. Mm. And then just sort of, especially when you're running up a hill and you want to get to the top. Classic Auckland. Just like. Yeah, okay, I'll just keep running till I get to the top of that hill. But if I keep thinking about running to the top of that hill, I know that I'll just, I'll get, I'll overthink it, I'll get puffed, and I'll just stop. Whereas if I just sort of go, no, I'll just think about something else. It's almost like meditating on the run, you know. You can just kind of I go, think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I think it's our version of meditating. Yeah, because I can't sit down, I can't sit still for very long, no. which is why I started doing yoga as well. See, challenge myself. I'm on, Shout out yoga. I'm on day nine. Oh, good. Of uh, Adrian's uh, 30 day journey. Yeah, did it this morning, which was real sorks. As I said earlier, I went rock climbing the other day. Something's happened to me, eh? <laughs> you know, it's just drugs, alcohol, and music for years, and, and just sort of, yeah. I guess I'm realising I'm starting to get my brains melting. I need to do something. <laughs> I'm getting a bit old for that sort of stuff. We were, and, and like that is funny because like we were talking, you know, I, drugs are a part of creativity. I mean, they, they don't have to be a part, but they can be. Mm. And then you've also got, um, but there also can be a part of like the monotony of the job of being a musician sometimes as well, mm. which I'm sure you know, like touring, yeah. waiting around at a bar, having to get up in the morning and, and, and all that shit, you know? It's not the, it's, it's not the healthiest lifestyle in the world. And, no. and you do anything for long enough, you, you kind of just at least even get curious about like, what, is there anything else other, is there something else I could be doing than treating myself this way? Yeah, exactly. And, and if so, what, could that possibly be? Yeah. I, I simply can't see another way. Because <laughs> we're quite, I don't know about you, but I feel like musicians, we're quite stuck in our ways quite a lot. Yeah. You know, like, and yeah. that's probably why we stay doing, you know, playing playing certain shows or 
having a certain like routine and being like, I don't want, I don't need to try all this other shit the normies do, you know, like, yeah. cause I'm different. I am different to these people. So uh, that's exactly how I used to look at it too. Um, you know, I'd look at, look at runners and stuff and just think, <laughs> 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 what are you running from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just sort of, I was just real, for no reason. It was almost like in my, in my head completely internally, I would basically bully them for doing something healthy, never externally. But yeah, then I started, got into it, just running up Mount Eden and stuff like that. It's just so good. It sucks so much at the time. <laughs> but you get, it's the afterwards, you know? It's like the same for me when I take acid. If I, I don't take acid. I've done it in the past. But it, same for me, like at the time, it, was, it can be pretty exhausting. But it's the next day, I go, ah, oh, I feel really refreshed after that. Because my brain was turning over so much and got so much thought going on in there. I wake up going, oh, whoa. I sort of thought myself back to where I started, but in a healthier kind of mindset about everything somehow. I get, so I get that from running. It does that same thing to my endorphins and, and shit. Like just afterwards, I feel so good. Yeah. And it's hard getting out of bed you know, in the morning and just going for a run. It seems so horrible. And it's really a different kind just, of good than the good we get from music as well. It is. It gives you clarity to actually focus on music because when all you do is music, where, you know, what, 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 where do you put your... Where do you put it? There's just no, it's too much. I get all these ideas going on all the time at once. They're just constantly... Mm. Like the other day I was doing some writing and I wrote I wrote one bit a part of a song and I was like yeah this is a cool idea started to sort of get it to a point and then I got really bored and because like, oh. while I was doing that I thought of another idea I was like oh fuck I, I just needed to get this other idea down and I'll finish that after and the exact same thing happened again I was doing this next idea I got another idea and I was like fuck put that there I was just sort of put that on my voice memo and try this other idea and then yeah, started doing this other idea, got bored of that, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'd go for a run, you know? Yeah, so. <laughs> like a break. Yeah. Like not, yeah, not trying, to, not trying to outthink your creativity. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't believe that that, I did, that was a real point of me realising how I'm just unable to focus on one thing for that long. I find it interesting that you're talking about your change in the last like six months of exercising or like, you know, focusing on this kind of stuff a little bit more has coincided with you like being like, fuck it, I'm just going to put some of this music out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that is funny. I didn't think of it like that at all, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's pushed me to want to do more stuff. Do you think it's made you like more like, because like when you go for a run, like you said, it sucks. Yeah. But there's an end point to the run. Like you finish the run. Yeah. And then it's like the run's finished. And you can actually decide when that is, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can. I wonder if it's like, you know, oh, I, oh, it is. And, and that's when your reward is kind of like, like you said, the clarity after you finish the run. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, oh, fuck, this is what I'm missing with my music sometimes. Like the finishing is essentially sharing it with people. Yeah. And, and like it's actually quite nice to get to that point with the things in my life 
So why don't I do that with music, you know? Exactly. That's exactly, I think you're spot on there. Because it's true, like, you're, you know, speaking as like a fan, it makes it really easy. It's like, I know you're probably writing a f- lot of songs. I kind of want to ask you about that. But for me as a fan of it, it's, it's, all of that is almost like worthless until I get to hear it. Because I, then I get to enjoy the sh- song. You have to share it with me for me to be a part of it. Yeah. So like selfishly for me, I'm like, I want you to fucking finish those things. And I think that's really important, like finishing things and putting and putting them out. Whatever finishing means. Yeah. Which, well, which yeah, with your mock releases. Yeah. Did you did you you call them mock releases? We're talking about Paul's been putting music out, right? And you've you've you had this amazing interview with Jesse Mulligan. And I say amazing because it was like it was actually really interesting for one of those like kind of shitty five minute interview things. I actually found it really interesting. Right. Um and you were kind of describing to him exactly that, like how you've got a lot of stuff lying around, you want to put it out. And you use this phrase, so I've, I haven't necessarily finished it and I, I think I, I can pull it back if I want to whenever I can take it off, but they're just called like, I'm just going to, th- they're like mock releases. Had you thought of mock releases before that interview or did you just say that in the interview? No, I had thought of it before that. Because that's brilliant, yeah. mock, mock releases. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I wasn't. Because I know I don't know what you know I don't know what I'm doing what it is so yeah it's a kind of a mock release sort of yeah I'm mocking my mocking the whole fucking because having to do things properly because like, that's no, kind I'm of just, how I took it I think he took it as like it's like a kind of like um unfinished release yeah because that's the other kind of like the, the the double entendre of that word exactly but I listen to him like oh. I surely it's like a market like this is all and he's on the irony is he's on RNZ talking to Jesse Mulligan about a song he hasn't really even released uh, that he has released but it's not really finished and it's is finished but it's exactly I've, I loved yeah. it man I loved it oh good no that's yeah I had been thinking about a way of wording what I'm doing you know so I, it did come to me which is really tough yeah wording any like what does your music sound like? Or what, what is this? What are you doing? Yeah. And I've never met someone who's like, I, I'm good at, I'm good at like saying that shit. Yeah. Coming up with that shit. No one yeah. is. No. No. So with a, yeah, I just basically, but this is where exercising gets me, is wanting to do stuff like this. Motivation. Motivation. Yeah. So that's, uh, I just want a few questions about like the mock releases. Fuck, it's hot. It's bro. I told you. I told you. I told you. We only have, you're doing really well. Like I said, you've been training in the sauna. Yeah, I have. And I think that that's Sorry really, that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> we don't some, need to mention what's happening. Just some rearranging. Yeah. You got to sometimes. Oh, yeah, sometimes you have to. Sometimes I you have to. Couldn't sit like that. For um, uh, the songs, uh, what are they like songwriting wise? They're done. You wouldn't, would you, would you like, you, that's how the song's going to go arrangement-wise, instrumentation. Yeah. When yeah. you think of it not finished, is that uh, like a production thing, You like a recording thing? Like what, what in your mind says that that's not like a completely finished song? Um, because my mind will never stop thinking of things, to do, new things to do to it. Right. Ever it's if even if if it sits there too long, I'll just ruin it. But like that, that it's never going to be finished. Like I, I can, well that you know that bridge section just could be better. 
could always be better. That, but at some point, you've got to stop. That's so interesting because, like, I think one of, we're going to get hey hey guys, we're going to get a little bit nerdy about songwriting here for a second. Um, one of the things I've always really liked about your music is that you can slam from like section into section that are quite very contrasting, like really different. Mm. Like um, Elizabeth, a lot of Elizabeth songs were like that. Oh, that stuff was nuts, though. Yeah, like, was, uh, it was a, like my kind of nuts. Yeah, but, but I think even like that, I was completely taking the piss even out of myself at that point. Like I loved that though. out of music in general. I was, it was, I was. I look back on that and think, what an asshole! Like <laughs> no, brilliant. I come up brilliant. with a really awesome riff. I play it once, do one chorus, go back to the riff, and that'd be the end of the song. But so I can tell you that, like, I love. I it made me be like, I wish I could do that because I'm like, I come up with one riff, and I'm like, cool, you're gonna hear this for three minutes because this is all I have. <laughs> so, so, so that's the other side of the story. Yeah. Um, but even like the new song, the one you played uh, uh, at the end of the the Jesse interview, like that's still every section has that little something to it. It changes. And it slams into the next. Then it, you, you're over here now, and you're over here. Yeah. Um, is is that is that then a product of you like being like, oh, I fucking hate this bridge. This needs to be a different thing, and you go back and change it. Is is that why it turned out like that, or you, do you go into songs intentionally being like, okay, we're gonna fucking go here now, and then uh, fuck it, let's go here now. No, I, it's not intentional. It just that's what happens, and I I think. It's almost uh, going back to my attention span and the lack of, I guess. Right. I don't know. I, yeah, I, it's hard to, to explain. I, I don't really know. Because I don't, I just think, I just play around and I think what would be cool? What would be cool? What, would, what could work here? What, Th that's the only question all the time. Yeah. What would, be, what would sound good? What's going to make that sound better, you know? Could that bit, bit go for longer? Oh, I could chuck fucking half a beat in there for like no reason and it might just sound mint, you know? Or just constantly playing around until there's something I go, oh, I really like that. I, I like that a lot. I'm gonna go with that and I'm gonna, and, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I'll just come up with something I'll come up with a whole track, but then I'll come up with a really cool thing and go, that's awesome. I'm basing, I'm going to go, okay, I've got to base this whole song around that bit now. That's the bit. And so I'll make the whole thing around that bit. And that, I mean, like, for example, that one that I played on RNZ. What's the name of that song? Showerhead. Cool. Yeah. Um, that, like, the, the bass line was originally a guitar hook <laughs> at the start. And... And that guitar hook just, after a while, started to just, just like, no, nah, it's not, it's not it, it's not, not it. But I was like, but it still needs to be there. I was like, what? It's not what it should be. I don't know. And I was just like fucking thinking about it. So I just think about them. I think about shit in my head. Mm -hmm. like, I basically write songs in my head before I even get there. Really? So you, yeah. uh, do you like rearrange them in your head and you like imagine them in different parts and shit like that? Or, yeah, 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 I do, yeah. Even, you know, so when I'm running as well, it's great. Right. It's sort of, but you know, you can work on music anywhere. <laughs> you can. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, yeah, I kind of just like, no, 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 I've got it, I've got it. That lead line needs to be the bass line. Yeah. And so I just swapped it and then came out with a completely different lead line, which is way better. I've always wondered, so where, 
because like that's you're you're imagining the songs and we're kind of talk, like talk, talking about songwriting and like arrangement and like where things go and what instrument's going to play each part but in terms of like you've got a you've got like a very guitar-y sound mm. like chords to riffs to like straight rhythms to like other shit's going on now what kind of bands were you like li- are you listening to or like were you listening to back when you were like really getting into music that gave you that kind of like guitar-y taste because like, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of it as well yeah. so I'm always like, but I'm like where the fuck are you getting like I was listening to like the vines and shit like that who would write more pop songs and wouldn't do the like arrangement shit yeah and then I'd listen to like math rock which would give me like the crazy arrangement shit but wouldn't necessarily give me the big chuggy sections I really wanted as well like what 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 kind of shit are you listening to because you, you, you've talked to, you've, when we've talked about this, you've mentioned like funny, like, like singer songwriters. I can't, it's like Jarvis Cocker or someone you talked yeah, to me about. Yeah. And then people like that. So they, like, what, Cocker, what makes Paul your heart like, sing? Yeah. Like, um, basically it's just the strokes, isn't it? When you think about it. Right. You listen to it. Surely you heard the strokes and they yeah. just went like this. I've, just recently, because that new Strokes album came out. The new Abnormal. Yeah. And I fucking really like it. Mm. I really like it. Um, and obviously the Strokes were huge for me growing up because um, they, you know, it was 2001 or something, that first record came out, fucking mind-blowing. Basically I grew up, that's been, they've been the sort of soundtrack of my life until they released that fourth album and I kind of, this is gradually lost interest somehow. I guess I moved on, grew out of it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Kings of Leon, also a really guitar band for that first two records. Um, so that's sort of where that taste comes from. Mm. Um, and I think the erraticness is just my sort of personality trying to find itself somewhere. But, uh, yeah... I just can't stay in one place for too long. So basically I just that new Strokes album came out and I just went back and listened to the Strokes and I was like, fuck, that just sounds cool. And I've always wanted to rip off the Strokes, right? But the Strokes <laughs> are the Strokes. So I'm like, you can't rip you, off the Strokes. It would be it's bad. Like sounding like Radiohead. It you would can't feel like that. shit when yeah. someone's like, oh, it sounds like the Strokes. Yeah. Yeah. But I've I sort of been thinking these last songs I've been doing, I'm like, you know what? A guitar on the left playing something awesome, the guitar on the right playing something awesome, drums, sure, cool bass line that's doing something awesome and melodic, and a vocal that's a little bit distorted. I mean, it sounds cool, so fuck you. Yeah. I'm taking it. I mean, it gets me every time. And why not, like, this first Strokes album sounds really cool. And what's wrong with sort of taking that sound, putting it to completely different sort of music? Yeah. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I was too scared to do it for a long time. But this time I was like, no, the distorted vocal and the just simple, just wanted it to be simple. And I don't really know how to do that without ripping off something I like. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, the nothing's original in a, well, in a true right. sense, you know. And and because this is, it's not, this isn't about the songs. It's about necessarily when I talk about this, it's about, my ability to make things sound cool enough. And I'm not an engineer. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. So, you know, I have to go, 
I have to have a reference in order for me to be satisfied. Otherwise, I'm just going to go, I don't know <laughs> if this is any good because I've got no comparison yeah. as to what this even is or whatever, you know. Do I go back, do I go and listen to Dido and see if it sort of sounds like that to try and get What an reference. artist to pull out of nowhere. Yeah. There'd be no white flag above my tool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's so that's where the sound I, I, I'm kind of going and, and keeping it simple. Hmm. And this whole project that I'm doing is keeping it simple. Is the whole point. Well, we've kind of arrived at the at the plugs section of the podcast, and I think it'd be really nice for it if I could just ask you, like, as of time of recording and with the license that it can change because it's a mock release at any point you want it to change. What What is the idea of this project in the moment? Like, And uh, any semblance of like what might be happening in the future or what's happening now? Uh, so yeah, well, the idea of the project at the moment f- is purely for me the fact that nothing is happening now. And I'm like, that doesn't, doesn't need to be like that. Something could be happening. So I'm going to make something happen. And I thought, right, I'm just going to put out one demo a week for until I can't be fucked, basically, you know. Mm. I got Which will happen there. eventually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> probably might be next week. Um, you know, it might be the last one next week, people, so you never know. Get onto it now. Yeah. No, but I, uh, and I just kind of thought, well, and I'm always overdoing things. I'm always like, all those songs that sit there for too long, I end up piling shit on them and... You know, yeah, doing too doing too much to something is yeah, and now lose track of it. Whereas these have just kept it simple, just gone bang, bang, bang. You know, written the song and the acoustic, gone cool, yeah, whacked it out. Just put the parts together, use the garage band drummer because you know I don't have a drum kit or a drummer. So garage band drummer, you know, turn your nose up at that if you like, but it's all I've got, so mm. take that. And uh, just as simple as that, just bass, guitars, and drums. And then the artwork, I've gone simple again. It's just a colour and the title and that's it. And so, and I'm releasing it in a simple way. It's, I'm not, it's not complicated at all. I just put it on Bandcamp and there it is. I share it on Facebook. There it is, simple. Purely, just pure and simple, just music coming out for the sake of music because music's fun and I love it and I love making it and I want people to hear it. And so that's why I'm doing this, because I'm and I just I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna sit around and try and wait. I'm not gonna sit around and wait for someone to come along and go right. You should do this and this and this and this. And here's something I said to Theo actually the other day, which shout out Theo, really interesting. Good to because I was telling Theo my idea, going oh you know demo once a week, and he's going, well you know why don't you do this and this? Get in touch with this person. Get in touch with this person. And I go I'll tell you why Theo. Because people like you saying shit like that to me are the reason I never do anything. Yeah. It's because I take what you say really seriously because you're right. And I know you're right. And so, but that just, I don't do that. You suggest it and I'm not going to do it. And all it does is put me off doing what I was going to do. So I'm just going to do this despite what anyone says. I'm just going to do it. And so I'm just doing it. Well, and I love Theo as well. Yeah. Same. But you just doing it is far more exciting to me and as like a fan of yours but also like as someone 
who knows you and is in the shit as well, <laughs> yeah. then, then that, that's, that's bullshit. Mm. Imagine writing something and not putting it and not sharing it with people. Because yeah. that's essentially what you're asking yourself to do and we all have a price for doing that. But I understand where people like Theo are coming from in that, well, this could be more successful if you do it a certain way. And Everything could be. Yeah. Everything right. could be something. But how long do I sit and wait? How long do I... Because, uh, I, you know, I've, just, it's, I've been doing this for a long time and I've never gone... <laughs> and, not, and, like, not everything has to be done that way. Yeah. You could, you could do that that way in six months with a, with a, a new song in six months. Yeah, exactly. But for the six months you're doing, you're actually putting it out. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, uh, why I'm really happy and really glad you you came on and talked about this. And like my th- my thing with what you're doing right now is that like you're a per- you're a musician who's writing songs and then is putting those songs out for people to hear. And nothing about what you're doing has anything to do with the music industry. That's right. And yeah. that should point a really good question into people's heads is how is it that's, that a musician can put music out and it has nothing to do with the music industry? Like what is the music industry then? Yeah, it's like a platform for... Something. Something, but <laughs> it, yeah. And we love it. Oh, well, But it's an interesting question. It is. It is. I mean, we'd be fucked without it. Mm. And uh, we should say you're also an active member in Hardy Unclear. That's correct. And I think there are Hardy Unclear shows coming up. Yes. I saw a post today. Yeah. Yes. There's a tour. We've got some festivals. We've got Nostalgia Festival in Christchurch. We've got the Cuba Derba in Wellington. We've got Cross Street Festival up here in Auckland. Um, yeah. And there's something else. Oh, uh, Dunedin Show at Dive. Oh, sweet. I haven't, I haven't seen Dive yet. I'm really keen to get down and actually see that venue. Yeah. Um, I, I would say if, any, if you don't know how, how the Unclear is, if you like guitar bands but you also like to dance, they're the best guitar band to dance to. That's how I describe how the Unclear. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I, Super I, catchy as well. I've never seen it, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. I like that. Um, and I heard a wee whisper that you're going to be a, a band member. I, I hung out with one Brad Craig today, and oh, he, did you he just? mentioned he might, he and you might be members in a certain band that might be doing some stuff in the near future for a very lovely individual. Yeah, there and is some stuff going on there that's potentially going to happen to a good person for a good person for a good reason with good people. And I think he might come on and talk about that soon oh, as well, brilliant. which would be great. I look forward to hearing a it. Beautiful man, but yeah. I'm, I'd be very excited about that band as well. Yeah, that's a little like. Uh, Dallas-style cliffhanger for the listeners there. You'll have to hold on to that. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I kept sort of forgetting we were in an interview and I just sort of was trailing off and just talking to us like we were in a room together and no one was listening. It's almost like we were having a good conversation. Yeah. I hope, um, you know, when you... Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming. I loved it.